Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. When we think of life skills, the different skills that we need to make success of life, most of them are going to be skills that build us up, right? There are skills that we put into practice that move our lives forward. But you and I need to be aware that there are some things that could be, could be developing in our lives that could break down the very things that we're trying to build up. That could actually work against us if we're not careful. So that if you are only building, 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 but you're not watching out for the things that could destroy your life, those things, those negative things, could actually work against you in the long run. So I'll we'll talk about self-sabotage. Here are some people can be their own worst enemy. They've got the greatest gifts. You see the potential. But then there's this one habit. There's this one thing that they won't let go of. And if only they would let go of that, it would be like putting your foot on the accelerator and they'll move forward. I remember once, it's a confession, okay, it's the BC days. A friend of mine, we were coming home from a party, we none of us were saved. He was so drunk, he couldn't even drive the vehicle. It was an automatic. So he said, Brent, you have to drive. I said, dude, I've never been behind the steering wheel of a car in my life. You want me to take us home? Not gonna happen. He said, you're the only sober one here, drive. So I got in the car and drive. He said, there's the accelerator, there's the brake, there's the steering wheel, off you go. This is three or four in the morning. I got in the car and I thought, well, this is gonna take us a long time because this car's not going anywhere. The more I put fuel, it still didn't go anywhere. I had an aha moment. I had one foot on the accelerator, one foot on the brake. As I took my foot off the brake, I thought, well, we're going to get there very quickly. By the grace of God, we got there safely. But it can be like that in life. We've got one foot on the accelerator trying to move forward, but we've got the other foot on the brake holding ourselves back. So if you and I are going to move forward, don't only focus on the skills that will build you up and move you forward. Also, watch out for the things that can develop in your life that actually have the potential to cause you to sabotage your own life. So we'll eventually come up against things that we recognize as hindrances, as bad habits, ways in which we are living that is unwise, that have a potential to spill over from one area into another area, wrong patterns. For example, you can spend money and you have a good, uh, you've just got a great approach to earning a lot of money. The problem comes with the spending of the money. You spend money, spend money, because you feel, well, I'll have a paycheck at the end of the month, so I'm safe. And then there's just that one day, that one month that throws you out and everything comes tumbling down. So while you may be doing good, you could be working against yourself as well. There are certain things are not just 
a bad habit. Certain things are dangerous, foolish, and destructive. And if you and I feel we can just leave those things in a box, they will never touch us. How many successful people are known to have done well in their particular field and then been ruined because of their personal life? I was just reading about a Christian evangelist and apologist, somebody who defends the faith. And if you were to go online, you'll find a lot of his videos about talking against Muslims, do, 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 do. defending the Christian faith. It has now come up that the man had a problem with sexual immorality. And so it didn't get so far out of hand that it destroyed his ministry. But right now it's restored his reputation. In actual fact, the one organization that accredited him as one of their ministers said we are removing his accreditation. He's done a lot of good, but because he wouldn't get a, get a handle on his sexual endeavors, it has ruined his ministry. And we can talk about many things like that. You'll find that people who are in prisons today, they're not just low-level criminals. They didn't just commit bad crimes. They were successful in the eyes of the world. White-collar criminals. And yet, because of that, bad behavior have ruined their lives. So, the biblical term, what I'm talking about is, when you see a bad habit emerging, the ability, the skill, to change that bad habit, to put it a stop to it before it gets too bad. That life-changing skill in that area, the Bible calls repentance. Repentance is when you and I recognize there's something bad, dangerous, and we make a change in our lives. So Proverbs 22 verse 3 says, Sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. You see what the Bible says there? Uh, when you know that that particular thing in your life, or you've seen it happen in somebody else's life, when you see it emerging, you identify it, it's best to nip it in the bud before it becomes to be. You see it has the potential to cause damage, act upon it. Now, an unthinking, a foolish person will just carry on straight. They won't take the advice, they won't take warnings from friends, they won't take a little bit of the damage that is already starting to happen in their life. They'll just carry on straight and they'll regret it a little bit later. So, if we could title this message, it could be repentance, breaking the bad. Putting an end to the bad things that could develop in our lives. Now, biblically, it usually means turning from sin. But you and I shouldn't limit repentance just repenting from sin. It's repenting from anything that is an unwise way. Surely there's a better way. You recognize the other way. Turn from the foolish way. A bad habit, a destructive life pattern. Repentance covers all of those things. So we're talking about the ability to recognize those bad things, whether it be sin, bad patterns, habits, etc., and turn from them bringing them to an end in our lives. So, the verb to repent 
Let's go to the next one. Means to engage in a special mental process for the purpose of making a permanent improvement or progress in one's life. So you can see there, repentance starts with changing your mind, looking at the same thing in a different light. Then you start to make changes in a lifestyle. You know, repentance is God's strategy for life change. It's God's strategy for life change. God has given you and I the ability to get ourselves out of trouble if we see that there are certain things happening that are getting us into trouble. No problem you ever face is fixed. It's not a destiny. It's not a liability for life. Every single one of us can change if we're willing to take what the skill is and put it into practice. So in Hebrew, if you read the Old Testament, it means to turn back or turn away. In other words, to reverse. Whatever you find yourself, reverse from that. So we often say repentance is a 180 degree turn. In other words, you've got to stop that particular action and you've sometimes got to do the very opposite. Then in Greek, it's a combination of two words. It's kind of with thinking, with knowledge. When you put it together, it's kind of more than the sum of the two parts. What it means is, after you've accessed new knowledge, information, you've seen a different opinion, a different side, you make a change in your life. Right? So it's responding to knowledge. That's what it means. Then we, of course, we know it speaks about conversion and, of course, transformation. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 1.13 says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to service. Why would God take a murderer, persecutor, a violent man, and put him in charge of human beings. You don't make a person like that a caregiver of the souls of other people. Because God saw that this man has the potential to change. God has faith in our ability to change. That's why he gives the sinner an opportunity to repent. But you and I need to also align our thinking with God's. You know, there comes a time when you struggle against a bad habit and you say, listen, all I'm going to do is I'm going to control the damage, but getting this out of my life, that's an order that's too tall for me to fulfill. No. Everything, everything that you feel is a hindrance to your progress can be part of your past. Don't let it settle down in your life. If you don't see that that is part of God's will for your life, why should you make it, give it a bedroom to sleep in? Why should you invite it to dinner? Get rid of it. It's an unwelcome guest. It does not belong there. Amen. So when we look at it a little bit deeper, a little bit practically, the skill of repentance, what is it? It's the ability and willingness to see things differently. The ability and the willingness to see things differently. To be open to a different point of view about what you and I already know about a matter. When you see alcoholism as just, well, it's a social thing, everybody's doing it, you're not going to change. But the moment you start to hear news about everybody that started to drink socially, 
that when it got to the next phase, it started to affect them financially. Then it ruined the family. And you say, well, I can see it's doing financial damage, but I'll get away from it. That means you're just reasoning against it. And that's the problem with not repenting. We argue to justify the things in our lives. The moment you justify the sin, the behavior, there will never be change. Nobody's convinced you yet. But there also needs to be a willingness. And the second part of repentance is the will. Now you and I, when we know we need to change, we can flat out dig our heels in. We can say, I will not do it. Nobody's going to tell me. I'm my own boss. Jesus didn't tell me. And if Jesus didn't tell me, what right do you have to mess in my business? And it's like the person is saying, you're taking this thing too personally. I'm not trying to scratch in your patch. I'm trying to show you what you don't see. And I'm trying to motivate you. You know, if a person is going to get rid of drugs in their life, nobody can make the decision to put that person into rehab unless they want to go there themselves. Everybody can see it. They can even experience some of it. But until they decide, I want to change, nothing. So part of repentance is you and I bending the will, submitting the will to good advice or to God's purposes, God's way to live. So you're going to find hell is full of people that said to God, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. No, 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 I'm going to change this far. I'll take my time. I'll do it tomorrow. And hell is full of people that refuse to repent. What is it? They were fighting God. But you know, Acts chapter 17 says, God overlooked ignorance when we really didn't know certain things. But now he commands people to repent. Now you and I may argue with people, but when you get into arguments with God about the need to change certain behavior, you're on a dangerous path. Right? So we need to be willing to be flexible. Then it's the ability to stop harmful patterns in their tracks. Now some people say you want to open a packet of chips. 10% in. The chips has got me. I've got to finish and I can't stop. I, the moment that wrapper goes crinkle, 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 and these two fingers touch that first block, that block is history. Resistance is futile. I can't stop myself. Well, then you need to develop the skill of repenting. Repentance means the ability to stop a habit and to remain in control. Now, what habit do you wish? you would have got control of many years ago and then it's running a mark and now you know when that car starts to run down a hill and it's just somebody forgot the handbrake you can literally as a human being stop that vehicle say to your buddy get in pull the handbrake up you stop that car but if you 30 40 meters down and think you're going to wait that car to build momentum and stand in the way. That car is going to flatten you. And that's what happens. When we allow things to get away from us, we've got every intention down the line trying to stop it. And we find that this is things ruining our lives. So the best thing is to stop before starting. Well, I'm just going to watch a little bit of a PG-rated movie. Not 16, 18. You know, I'm a grown-up man now. I'm out of school. I can watch this stuff. And then you move 
from sourcing movies to pornography. And then your life is revolved around that. And before you know it, the devil is laughing in the back of your head. Don't start. Don't start the things that you know full well. God has already said that's not a path for a Christian to be walking down. The ability to turn away and change is the third thing. The ability to turn away and change. If you have friends and they're your only social circle, but half of them are bad, you're going to have to get better friends, different friends. That's not easy because you feel lonely, your social life. There's so many repercussions to changing a behavior that is bad to get out of it because we complicate our own lives. The ability to self-correct or change with assistance. Self-correct. Now that's a good skill. Because all of us are human beings and we make mistakes. The challenge is some people don't know how to stop themselves. They don't know how to correct behavior. It runs away. They say, I don't know how I've got under control. I'm no longer in charge. You and I must develop the skill of saying, when I identify things happening in my life, I have the ability to put my child, myself in check. If I see I have the tendency to be rude and abrupt, nobody else but me is going to change my behavior. Amen? I was the one to let the word out. I need, I need to be the one to retract those words. I, need the, I was the one who was harsh. I need to be the one who is kind. I need to be able to correct my behavior. It's like you and I stand out of, outside ourselves, out of our thoughts, outside of our actions, and outside of our world. There's this person that has the will over our thoughts, over our actions, over our, our uh, words. So don't surrender that. God has left you in control of every single thing, even the things that you feel have gotten away from you. So from a spiritual point of view, we talk repentance. There's always repentance about sin. How do you do that? Well, the main thing is to find God's opinion about a matter. Regardless of what you think, of what other people are saying, of what that church condones, or I heard that pastor say. You go to God's word and say, what does God's word say about the matter? And then I have to change and align my behavior with that. You know how many people tell me, you know, pastor, you teach this, but that other pastor says that. I say, well, don't don't pay any attention to me. Don't pay any attention to him. Pay attention to the word of God. If ever I say something that doesn't line up with the word of God, you have no responsibility to change your behavior. Let God be true. Do not do this. Oh, the Holy Spirit has given me peace about it. The Holy Spirit will ever only give you peace about what God's word says about a matter. And if you have peace about something, contrary to the word of God, it's not the Holy Spirit that gave you peace, it's the devil that's trying to kill your conscience. Amen? So, you and I need to realize that. So Paul says in Ephesians 4.17, I tell you and encourage you, you in the Lord's name, not to live any longer like other people in the world. Their minds are set on worthless things. Jesus said, Right? It says the time is coming in Mark 1, 14 and 15. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is how it works. Regardless of who you are, it applies to everybody. All of us start 
in the world, not in the kingdom. Jesus is in the kingdom. Our pattern is in the world. If you and I are going to become citizens of the kingdom, live like we're supposed to live, there's a whole lot of that worldliness that's going to be taken out of our lives. We don't even know it. You see, because we're in a world where everybody's doing the same thing. We don't even recognize it as wrong. But when you come in, you compare your old life with the kingdom life, the life you're living, with the life Jesus says we're to live, you will start to see, man, there's a big difference between the two. And then you need to start a process of changing. People in the world love money. They don't necessarily like sharing it. They like to work hard. Nothing wrong with it. But the problem is, they want to feed themselves, take care of themselves. Sharing is not a great priority. It's like, you didn't work for it, why should I? So that, without even realizing, shows how materialistic the world is. But you know the Apostle Paul says, that when you earn money, you should share. Not everybody has the capacity to earn the income. They're starting off at a different point in life. And plus, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And when you come into the kingdom, and you hear learned Leviticus says, when you don't reap till the edge of your field. What is he saying? He says, don't consume all of your paycheck. There may be a poor person that God is sending to your gate, that God says, I want you to feed that person. But we're like, I'm going to do that. This is a doggy dog world. You see that worldly mentality? We've got to get it out of us. We don't like to serve. We don't mind being served. We don't mind serving if we're being served. But none of us wants to be treated as what we think is inferior. And then you get Jesus. And he says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you work hard at being a servant. Oh, that messes with our minds. Because we felt that's going to be taken advantage of. You see this process that we need to go through. To enter into the kingdom, it's called repentance. So, let's go to the next story. Johnny Cleary is the name of this gentleman. He was the first white man to be ordained as a minister in this church of God. The denomination in America is called the Church of God. He was the first white man to be ordained here. Now that is pretty amazing in itself. That's the pastor that helped him change. Now here's the amazing thing. It's not that he was a white man ordained in a black church. It's what he was before he was ordained. He was a Ku Klux Klan leader. Like, we're not going to ordain you. You don't even know what to do with sheets. You put them on your heads. Right? Yellow bruise. He met that black man once, who was a pastor. And it went something along the lines of this. That pastor, they were both being interviewed, and he stood like this. Because the Ku Klux Klan, they believe, we don't even touch black people. And by the way, don't take it personally. The only race to them that is a great race is a white. Anybody of any other shape, they just don't do it. So the pastor put his hand up to him. And he took his hand, and then he looked at his hand. The pastor saw him. He said, yeah, I know you guys don't do this. He said, brother, don't worry, it doesn't come off. 
He said, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I also love you. But you know, that caused him to go home and think. He decided to show him all the prejudice and the hatred and the conflict that was always within him in the Ku Klux Klan. It brought him to a point of repentance. Now the Ku Klux Klan, you can worship God, any God, it doesn't really matter. They're not specifically worried about what God. It's just a veneer religion. And so he said, well, I'm going to pick up the Bible. And when he read the word of God, he saw the truth that brought about a conversion. Now, if God can allow somebody like that to change, and in fact, if somebody like that can come to the conclusion that I'm heading down the wrong path and can change, then anybody can change. And of course, everybody that commits themselves to the Lord does change. So that's repenting from sin. What about life skills in general? You know, you and I are going to have the predisposition, the tendency to be weak in certain areas. It can be the type of thing like procrastination. Well, I master maths, but you know, I can't really get myself mobilized to finish projects on time. If I know the exam is four months away, I will wait for month four. I'll that last bit of time, then I'll get. If I know the project can be left till three weeks later, I'm going to wait for two and a half weeks and I'm going to jump. It's a bad habit. If you have a bad habit of just being rude and abusive to people, if you have a habit of overstaying spending money, if you have a habit of binge eating, comfort eating, you know, I feel so bad, this makes me feel good. If you identify anything like that, you can change that. You just need to repent. Pastor, you take this serious. How do I repent? About chocolate. It's not something to be repented of. Chips. Yes, you need to repent because repentance is not limited to simply sin. It's anything that could ruin your life and that you don't want around. It's a life skill. So Ephesians 4.28, it says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. You see the whole process there. It says, stop stealing. Now start working and share. That's the whole process right there. Because some people have the habit of riding on the coattails of other people's hard work. Those are thieves and robbers. And you get other people who are not quite those that bad, but they are the ghost workers at your place of work. They are the shirkers. If they feel they can behind hide behind everybody's hard work, nobody will pick up their, the fact that they're always taking lunch breaks. They'll do that. They're stealing. So he says over there, stop stealing. It's a bad habit, sinful habit. You've got to repent. Now learn to do something useful. Turn that habit around. Go further. Help other people. You see, he says over there, when you used to steal, you were a menace and a force of destruction in society. Now you're working. Don't just work for yourself. Be a force of good. Help the needy in society. That's really repentance. So, how do we go through this process? Firstly, you and I are going to have to expose ourselves to better information, new information. Right? Process, the process of change comes when you increase in knowledge and truth. Not just knowledge, but truth. 
So if you want to change any area in your life, find out what God's Word has to say about it. If there's a particular habit you want to change, find out what other people have had to say who were stuck in that situation and how their minds had had to change to get out of that situation. There are going to be people whom God may send across your path to share certain things. Don't argue with them. Be humble. Be willing to learn. Be willing to look at things in a new light. Then, bend the will. Okay? The second thing that you and I are going to have to do is bend the will. There's going to have to be the desire to change. Now, your will is under your and my control. If you feed your will the right motivation, you will find your heart inclining to want to do certain things. So if you want to change your diet, right? And the more you read about people who've changed their lifestyle, the more you expose yourself to healthier recipes, but that taste just as good. The more you read about people that have gone through the same process, they've gone through the same struggle, you can identify with them, and they've got over it, you saying, you know, I'm just like that person, it can be done for me. So you're exposing yourself and you're kind of becoming your own coach. You know what is going to stimulate that desire. Then there's going to come a time where you and I are going to have to bite the bullet and make changes. If you're somebody that sleeps late all the time, there's a point at which you're going to have to set that alarm for half an hour earlier across the room. Then you put the second alarm in another room, the louder one. And if you can make it past that one and go back to sleep, the second one's going to go, but you're going to have to. Here's the funny thing. The bad habits come in automatically. You don't even have to do, work, do any work. They'll just come. But to get them out requires a little bit of work in the beginning. So here's a couple, right? They decided when they got married, newlyweds, <clears throat> We do not want to go into our marriage in debt. So they set themselves a target 12 months, one year. We want to eradicate 307,000 rands worth of debt. They said, well, it just controls everything. We can't even take decisions without knowing a portion of our salary is going to debt. So they embarked upon this. They went to Dave Ramsey's course. You'll see it online. He's like a coach that helps people get out of debt and manage their finances better. So they did his course, got that new information, started to put it into practice. Eight months into it, the husband lost his job. So they thought they ruined. Fortunately, but later, he recovered. They were just as determined despite that, despite that hiccup on the road to recovery, because you know when you want to recover, it's not just a smooth path. There's things that want to get you back into your old way of life. They were determined. They eventually got rid of their debt by making real lifestyle choices. 14 or 16 months, a year and four months later, because they had that little bit of a challenge. But after that, in their second year of marriage, there was no unnecessary debt in their lives. They repented as they took the decision to say, debt is not normal. Now just that idea is a really motivation for repentance. How many people believe debt is normal? The mere fact that you make peace with the idea that debt is normal 
will, find, will be a stumbling block to financial stability in your life. Do you know that? Just that one idea. But the moment you and I repent, we say, I'm changing my thoughts, debt is not normal, okay, maybe you have to pay off a car. Maybe the bigger things, but living on a credit card month to month, that's not normal. The moment you say this is not normal, plus I'm going to change and get it out of my life. Start that process of repentance. You will find a lot of freedom will come. Other people have done it. You and I can do it as well. But you know, sometimes the power to change lies beyond your grasp. The power to change lies beyond your grasp. That doesn't mean that you are not going to be able to repent. No, you're going to repent. 100%. You're just going to have to bring on board allies. You're going to have to bring people on board to help you repent. Where do we get this idea that it's my personal issue to get sin out of my life? What if sin is so strong and so dominant that I'm powerless on my own? Well, God has given you and I allies. And when you look at life and how people have taken not only the issue of sin, but anything that could ruin their lives, and they get some coaches in their corner, they get some allies, some people to help them, you find that that is part of the key to success. So let's go back to dieting. It's such an easy one, so easy to pick on. Aren't there many people that go to dietitians? Say, listen, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think I'm doing all right. I just can't. So I need you to tell me what to eat, set up a schedule for me. They go to a personal trainer. They've been trying for years on their own. And the personal trainer will do what? Call them to account. But they're getting somebody that's going to help them change. What about if we go to the issue of finance? Don't people sometimes go to debt counselors to help them fix their budget? What about a person whose marriage is falling apart or a couple who can't get past an impulse? They just can't get over a hurdle. Don't they go for marriage counseling just to get over that time and then they move forward? So why is it that you and I feel all this change that I'm struggling with, I must fight it on my own? You know, you may build up habits in your life. We may have given the devil so much room in our lives that mere prayer and a decision and a desire to change will not bring about that change. You literally need deliverance. Have you ever seen somebody deliver themselves? The success rate is not good. But when you come to people who say, this, I've got this word. I just know it's there. I need deliverance. The moment they ask for help, they can eject that. God wants us free. God wants us successful. You don't have to do it on your own. You know, the Bible says, 1 John 3, 8, He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He said, to say, to give you the power to destroy the devil's work, we have that. But there's some power of the devil you and I are not going to get over. You don't have to. The Bible says, the Son of God appeared on your behalf. Let God, let Jesus put the devil in his place. Amen? Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus speaking. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners to release the oppressed. If you find yourself going into a pool of self-pity. If you find yourself thinking bad thoughts. 
If you find yourself, you've got to do all that you can just to keep depression at bay. There may be a spirit at work there. You need deliverance. Or you may just need somebody that you're going to sit with every week that's going to listen to help you unburden things. Why should we have suicide? With people that were carrying burdens that became too heavy for them. Nobody knew about it. And people at their funeral will say things like, you know, I never knew. If only they'd opened up, I would have taken them seriously. And when you hear somebody crying out, don't just say, oh, man, don't worry, tomorrow will be a better day. Don't. You take it seriously. But you become somebody else's ally when you see them trying to change. You don't mock their efforts. You be their champion. You say, you're going to do this. What do you need? Do I need to throw money at it? Some of my money? Yes. Whatever it needs for you to change, I will help you. Because if you help somebody else on their path, God will send you somebody to help you on your path. That's just the way life works. What you sow, you will reap. Don't try and repent all on your own. You repent so much quicker. You'll change so much quicker with and easier if you just bring allies on. The allies that God has placed at our disposal. So in conclusion, you know God believes that we can change. That's why we have this term in the Bible, repentance. You see it all over the Bible. God sees sinners on a path of destruction and he says repent. You read the book of Proverbs and you talk, you see there behavioral problems, not specifically sin, but foolishness. And Proverbs gives people advice. It says change that before you ruin your life because that's not God's intention. But you and I need to master the skill. Don't just focus on the skills that will build your life, make take you go forward, but also develop the strength of character, the humility, the wisdom to see things, to see danger before it gets out of control and to go through the process of repentance. Every time you see yourself heading down the wrong path, something that's harmful, sinful, potentially unproductive, change your mindset and say, this is not me. I'm not going to be the one who's going to have to suffer, pick up pieces later. I'm going to be the one that sees the danger coming and changes course well ahead of time. I'm going to be what Proverbs calls the wise person. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you, let's stand together. <clears throat> Have you identified sin in your life that you need to repent of? You can start the process of repentance. Is there a bad habit? Is there something unhealthy that you've identified? It can be just a pattern of thinking. It can be emotion, a particular emotion that you realize runs away. Maybe it's something that you've been struggling with for a while. Now we want to take all of these things to the Lord and pray and say, Lord, you're the one to come and set the captives free. We want to be the captives who have been set free. Can I ask you to take a bit of time? Close our, let's close our eyes and just ask, Lord, I want to change in this particular area. And God will give you the grace to do that. Can I ask you to pray? Let's raise our voices. Come on, encourage somebody else. Be a little bit audible. You don't have to be so loud that they know what you're saying. But let's be a little bit more vocal about it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you.
every area of Jerusalem. Thank you for that deliverance, Father. Thank you for that repentance in the name of Jesus. We bless you, we honor you. I believe those things we know and say that things are possible and change our minds at this moment. And so we bless you, we honor you for that. We glorify your name. We worship you. We say that you are worthy to be praised. So, Father, I want to come before you. People right now, Lord, that are confessing sins, we want to pray that you will deliver them. I want to pray, Lord, that this won't be something that is just confessed on a regular basis. I want to pray that the power of sin to be broken over their lives. I want to pray for every way in which that sin is being reinforced by a lifestyle habit. Every way in which the devil is oppressing them. We want to pray for that to be broken in the name of Jesus. Every addiction, Lord, to be broken. I want to pray against pornography, Lord. I want to pray against drinking and parties and the long, wrong friends and the wrong relationships. I want to pray that you break that up, Father. I want to pray, Father, for thought life to be changed. I want to pray, Father, for eating habits, lifestyle habits to be changed. I want to pray, Father, just for work habits, work ethic to change. I want to pray for motivation for people, Lord, not to become depressed and stay in that in that pool of self-pity and just giving up. I want to pray that you bless your people. You've determined that we will have life and life to the full. And so, Father, we want to pray, favor your people in these areas that have been committed to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbaptchurch.org.